throw a Molotov cocktail at the precinct. You know how we think. Organize the hood under I Ching banners. Red, black, and green instead of gang bandanas. FBI spying on us through the radio antennas. And I'm hitting cameras in the street like watching society. Welcome, everybody, to the Work Wifey's podcast. I'm Itzel. I'm Stephanie. And today we're going to be speaking on current events, things that are happening locally, nationally, globally, um, but a little bit more specific to this question that we'll be answering, which what does it mean to exist as educators and youth workers in a larger movement, knowing that Stephanie and I are not black? And what does it look like to self-care amidst a pandemic and the beginnings of a revolution? Um, And again, I just want to name that these are our opinions. They are the perspective of me and Stephanie, Stephanie only, and they are not representative of the communities that we belong to. Um... I say that because we're going to be talking about anti-blackness in the Mexican Latino community, um, and some folks may not agree with us, and we just want to name that. Yeah, and we, I think when we were both talking about what we wanted to have our episode on, (laughs) me and Itzel had this really real conversation, and I told her... You know, I feel really uncomfortable talking about this. And she said me too, because a lot of unpacking that comes with this current moment is just acknowledging parts of yourself that have been anti-black, acknowledging the internalized stereotypes, internalized prejudice, everything. So we were just talking about how this episode is just like really raw and uncomfortable and that's what doing the work is Mm -hmm. where you have to sit in a part where you're really uncomfortable so we are literally putting our thoughts out there and that's fucking scary but the truth will always liberate us and that's what we really believe in and what that's what our podcast stands for so Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) So we're really approaching this episode with uh, a specific question that kind of ties into the work that Mm -hmm. both Itzel and I do. And for new listeners, if you are new today to our podcast episode, both Itzel and I used to work together with young people and we still work With with young people. So we're literally working with the youth in this moment and you know a lot of things are going to come up capitalism Mm -hmm. uh anti-blackness the black lives matter movement Mm -hmm. and what it just means to be here right now so Mm -hmm. what does it mean to work in an institution Mm -hmm. Um, within the nonprofit industrial complex that mm -hmm. has so many grants and deliverables Mm -hmm that don't acknowledge black people mm. in the mm. ways that they they deserve to be honored in our society. So yeah. that's just a little bit about how we're approaching this episode. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited too. I feel like we're going to really um, open the conversation for hopefully other folks that resonate with Mm -hmm. our podcast Mm -hmm. to begin having these conversations um and i hope that some of the information that 
we um, create in this podcast can help facilitate conversations with folks as family or your friends or your coworkers um, or your bosses because I think that part of wanting to participate in the current movements that are happen- happening now as non-black people is that we really need to assess our anti-blackness and from what perspective are we coming to help because mm-hmm. a lot of us may have this white mm-hmm. savior complex that shit's not helpful um <laughs> so i think and i know that there's a lot of good like people who truly want to help and i know oftentimes like um i think oftentimes there's like a lot of well-intentioned people who want to help and sometimes those intentions don't come all the way through <laughs> We gotta keep in mind that um, it's impact over intention. Um, mm-hmm. We can have really good intentions, but the impact that something has so many things happening politically, so many things happening in our community, so many things happening health wise, and a way that me and Stephanie want to contribute is by carving out this space to open up these conversations. Mm-hmm. So I think with that, we will jump. We will literally jump right in. Woo! So, Itzel. All right. How have you been... Actually, let me backtrack to our original question. (laughs) How have you been um, just existing as an educator and as a youth worker in a larger movement? Take us through your day. Mm. Take us through what you've been feeling in your heart. Mm -hmm. And what you've just been kind of processing yeah thanks um you know i think that like i've always enjoyed being a youth worker like working with young people is a really fun job like every day can look different working with young people it really can (laughs) they they push you sometimes (laughs) too much sometimes Shout out um, to the youth. Shout out to the who youth. Who work with Itzel and I, who we love so dearly. Yeah, I love all of you. All 17 of my youth. Y'all are oh, so cool. Um, I want to meet them. You should. They're really fucking cool. And I'm like <laughs> really sad that I'm not going to get to work with all of them. Um, but, you know, they, they're they all getting their life. And so can't be mad at that. Um, but to answer your question, Steph, or the question of like, what does it mean to exist as an educator and youth worker? right now um i have regained a whole new like level of urgency of like like taking care of the younger generations that come after me Mm -hmm. like um i just feel like a sense of protection over them um and i think i say that because like you you still work at a nonprofit and there's like that that's its own institution Mm -hmm. i work with young people i work with young people in a very unique capacity um and i work with young people in a sense where i'm teaching them about government i'm supporting them about i'm supporting them in the way that i'm helping them understand the legislative process Mm. on a very local level um which is really cool because it allows me to introduce a lot of my views, a lot of my perspectives, 
And really, I have just been focusing on using my position as a youth worker in government to connect government and community. And I think that that is like the value that I am like fuck it up driving the fuck out of my young people. Okay, like, so go get a <laughs> I've just been really like asking my young people about like their intentions and like how is it that you want to help and like is this really helping you know like mm-hmm. why do you feel like you're the most correct person to help in this way and I think that I've been asking them um yeah to really be to really like come from a place of community and like community values and like fuck the suits fuck what the adults think like clearly they don't know what the fuck they're doing um that's right listen to the youth (laughs) and you all have like really a collective power to demand more like all of you are going to be impacted by the laws and policies Mm. that come into place and like really it was really like upsetting to me how they closed at the beginning of the pandemic or shelter in place in the bay they closed down all the schools Mm -hmm. without ever checking in with students without ever like asking students what kind of implications that this would have on their lives um and so using that as like the example of like they made this decision without your input like and look how it's impacting you all what other decisions are going to come about this situation and this pandemic that aren't going to have youth input you know especially when at least in san francisco where we both work um they're facing a huge budget deficit for this year and next year and all departments are being asked to decrease their budgets by 15 percent and that includes schools in like all departments so that includes SFUSD that includes DCYF everything is crumbling yes that includes like public works that includes my office that includes like all departments um that are part of the city which if you're a nonprofit, you depend on city funding partially that's me um exactly (laughs) so domino industrial complex yeah and so um yeah knowing that a lot of knowing that you know we're calling for um defunding of the police like making sure that that money goes to where it needs to go Hmm. making sure that youth services are 100% supported like none of them being taken away if anything you guys better add more youth services right um but that's how I've been like yeah to just like lightly talk about it um that's how I've been working with my young people like Mm -hmm. really instilling like you you all like have the power collectively and like you all are are the folks that are going to be driving us all the way home like it'll be it's an it'll be an intergenerational movement like it'll be you all leading the front lines especially during a pandemic knowing that um a lot of older folks um and a lot of folks that have like compromised immune systems are really vulnerable right now i feel like young people are are on the front lines demanding more really Really, truthfully like generation z i saw this meme it's like (laughs) not that it's not like funny funny but it's like 
you know it's like one of those memes it's like <laughs> but um it was saying how like the powers that be don't know what generation they fucked with because they oh, fucked wow. with the most depressed generation <laughs> i can see that and the generation that's like i don't give a fuck like i will die for this shit because they're like <laughs> i so. saw this other meme that talked about millennials or gen z's and they say they will um get up super early in the morning have iced coffee as their breakfast and lunch and then they'll call out racist people online and on the streets and then they'll go home and take care of their plants and i just thought that was really funny because that's the reality of what we're in and the reality of working with young people because they have such a way of going about life and at least engaging with my young folks it's been it's been really grounding and I feel so grateful to be at a job where um, I, I have the opportunity to talk to young people about what they think. Mm-hmm. Because I know there's been a lot of youth-led protests in Oakland, San Francisco, all over the Bay Area that are led by young people. But it's interesting to be in conversation with them talking about, well, why do you think people are protesting? Or what are your thoughts on looting? What do you think, like... What are your thoughts on the police? <laughs> yeah, what are your thoughts on the police? What are your thoughts on... And I'm bringing this up, too, because I had a conversation with my young person, and I asked them, what are your thoughts on changing your high school's name, George Washington High School's name, to my Angelo's name? And it's just... I'm grateful to know youth and be able to say I work with youth mm-hmm. because they are really pushing this movement and they are really being so bold and fearless in Mm -hmm. the process of Mm -hmm. it and in in the process of just unlearning and being in a pandemic Mm -hmm. all at the same time yeah and i think as you were talking i'm just thinking about like how important it is that there are people like us who work with young people Mm -hmm. because um yeah i just feel like you know, young people have the drive, the power, the vision. And I feel like they're, it's intergenerational because we need like our elders and we need older folks to provide the wisdom of what worked, what didn't work. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, strategy essentially. And just like how, just like how some young people may not have adults in their lives who approach things on like a very holistic level, like mm-hmm. working with youth and like youth development, it is like it is not a fucking game. Like this isn't not. this isn't babysitting. <laughs> it's not. like there is a framework for it. There is <clears throat> a science to it, and it's a theory, and it's. Um, there's a way that you work with young people because adults think that, you know, I'm going to come over here and I'm going to... For example, um, my young people had a meeting last Monday and part of my young people's job is to recommend um, policies that benefit young people in San Francisco, right? Mm. And so oftentimes we have a lot of groups and community orgs who come to my my young people and are like, yo, we would like your um, like endorsement or whatever. Mm. Um, And there was these two students from a university that I shall not name, but they were law students um, 
who wanted they were law students and they were second year so this leads me to believe that this little legislation they proposed was like a senior capstone project i don't know like a thesis and they were two non-black people and they approached my young people and they were like hey we have this they called it floyd's rule um and it was a capstone i think it was Okay. I don't want to give too much away. Okay, don't but, yeah, tell me later. <laughs> um, they, um, yeah, they approached our young people and they were like, "Hey, we want to like get your endorsement for this so that we can recommend it to the decision makers in our city." And these are two non-black people who were like drafting legislation, right? My young people read it and they were like, "Excuse me, you want to do what?" Like it was just some like really reformist ass shit, like. Some, like, band-aid policy that would just, like, give police officers a no-no on their wrist if they, like, were to kill another person. Wow. Didn't make sense at all, right? And so my young people were, like, um, they were just, like, yeah, we're not. They tore it up. They were, like, we're not going to support this. Look at them. Yeah. And it was an intense meeting. I'm proud meeting. of them. I don't know them, but. I know they work with you, so I trust that. Yeah, yeah, they're really cool. And, like, they really stood up to this adult. And this adult um, apparently has, like, never engaged with young people in this capacity. See, that's the problem. And so when my young people rejected this and they said no to it, they sent, they fucking went Karen and they sent, like, <laughs> an email to my boss, to my boss's boss, to, like, the chair. Approve it? Yeah. No, 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 not to approve it, to just, like, complain that Mm. my young people didn't, um, didn't take this seriously to them. And all of us, like, all of us that work, all the adults that work with young people, we were all like, what the, what do you mean they don't take this seriously? Like, they clearly took it so seriously that they talked to you about it for 20 minutes and, like, kept asking you why you think that this is the best solution. And so I share that because oftentimes adults approach young people with this idea that because they're young people, they're going to say yes to anything. And that they don't know shit. Yeah, and that they don't know shit. that's the youth stereotype. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that they just want to be on their little phones or like they're just like waiting to go make another TikTok video. But they're really fucking on it. Yeah, they're fucking on it. And like they are, if they're telling you that something is not going to work, because they have a lived experience, a personal lived experience to this, mm-hmm. you need to listen to that. Even if you are a grad student, even if you are a law student from whatever so accredited university, like, and, and that's just a small example. And that's, and I feel like young people, like, as their adult allies, like, it is our job to, like, make room for them Mm -hmm. so that adults and other people give them the respect that they deserve because they know what they're talking about like they know what world they want to live in it's our job to help them get there because their world is our world and you know so on and so forth um and so yeah i just this takeaway like take young people serious take young people fucking serious Mm -hmm. and i just want to add that Shout out to you for being in that space with them because I'm sure you're guiding them and pushing them in the right direction. Yeah, which is why I said, like, it's really an honor that I work with them and I have this position and also just that there are people like us. And I know that there's other youth workers in the Bay Area who who share similar values that we do and are out there doing the work with their young people, doing the emotional labor, doing, like, 
the day-to-day check-ins. We like, were so many different hats. Yeah, we the were. The counselor. The friend. The, the friend. The, right? like, you got to draw boundaries with the youth. <laughs> the, the counselor, the friend. The, the teacher. therapist, teacher, educator. Mm-hmm. Uh, we try not to be the parent, but like you said, yeah, we got to let them. We, we have expectations of them and like. Yeah, and I'm and I'm trying to also be honest with them and say, hey, if you're trying to organize with me and overthrow capitalism and white supremacy, let me know because I I will guide you and I will I will push you in in a very healthy way and I will guide <laughs> you to be that activist, mm-hmm. that organizer that we all want and I like, truly believe for our young people. So I'm just like, you know, let me know. <laughs> On the low. I'll like recommend some books and, you know, start that learning journey too. Mm-hmm. Yes. It goes beyond just our programs that we teach and it, it takes dialogue and facilitation and constant, you know, space to just embrace that. And yeah. Embrace that sometimes they might not know something. Or, for example, one of my young people was like, I don't understand why people loot it's hurting businesses and it you know i had to draw them into a larger conversation of like what does it mean to have someone get killed by state sanctioned police and what does it mean to destroy a starbucks and target that can easily be rebuilt you know and i think it's just posing those questions Mm -hmm. is difficult but it's also it has to happen Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Yeah, and I feel like this gives me the hope and the light that, like, shit is going to get better because of them. (laughs) Yeah. Because the generations that are coming after us are just fiercer, bolder, louder, and, like, I'm with it. They're going to fuck it up. They're going to fuck it up. Yeah. Um... I liked what you said about, like, posing questions to your young people to, like, let them come to their own conclusions. Um, And I feel like carving out spaces to have, like, dialogue to unlearn these things, too, um, is really important as well. It's a major key. Yeah, major key. Which I think really ties into our second takeaway of unlearning anti-blackness and for ourselves for ourselves and like and how we've done that and how we're like now we're yeah (laughs) no that's that's what we're doing it yeah that's a really great segue too because it's came with unlearning relearning we're always i'm always unlearning and now we're literally just facilitating these conversations with young people mm-hmm. and on, with their families and with their families and with our own families so yes i appreciate that segue <laughs> shout out to each so. <laughs> um so for the folks that don't know what like i'm sure folks know what anti-blackness is because it's in the name um how it came about though I think is a little bit unclear and or maybe not always as clear um but I think it's important to just name that anti-blackness is a symptom of white supremacy first and foremost and it is also a colonial trauma because as non-black people um 
I mean, I, I'll just start off by saying that white people created an hierarchy of like people that have value in society, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you are lighter skin or more fair skin, you automatically have more value mm-hmm. than somebody who's black. Me not being black has given me access to certain spaces and um, and just like, I think I didn't know about anti-blackness until like I was in college mm-hmm. and when I started taking like ethnic studies classes and I started like working in the community, I started like realizing that this was a thing. Um, Mm. And then as I started doing my own unlearning, I started like observing the people around me and noticing that it was like a very common theme. You're like, oh shit. Yeah. Like, oh shit. Um, Yeah. And just to give examples of like what, anti-blackness can look like um because i think sometimes we do things because we've seen other people do it mm-hmm. and um we don't realize that they are anti-black but they are um i think it's important to name them so to give some examples um a symptom of anti-blackness is sexualizing black men and women like media hypersexualizes black women a lot um and men as well um also like having a preference to people with lighter skin or Mm -hmm. um yeah and just creating those like different again those like different hierarchies of skin tone and what skin tone is like more acceptable or more beautiful stupid shit like that or like making assumptions that because black people present a certain way physically that they belong to like a certain class level or a certain identity um believing that all lives matter (laughs) (laughs) or thinking that it's okay to use the n-word when you're not a black person even if you grew up in the hood like and you're not black please do not say the n-word yeah that's that's like the minimum yeah of what folks should be if you're not black not, don't fucking say it literally yeah there you go. don't say the n-word period i cringe every time i hear my family say it every time i hear like people on the street like on tv like in conversation i'm like no yeah um and then the last one that i will share is just like not believing or protecting black women like not believing black women that's not cool like a lot of us have a lot of the freedoms that we have and a lot of the yeah a lot of the freedoms that we have are because of black women and like the their fierceness and their like their strength yeah and i like how you bring that up too and last night i was reading about i don't know if it's appropriate to talk about this but i would just bring it up healing justice podcast so it's actually hosted by like a white woman i didn't know that see a lot of people don't know that including myself until i looked it up a couple months ago and the reason i'm bringing up why it's important to listen to black women is because there was 
a blog that was written about Healing Justice podcast and like a black woman's experience of working with the co-host or the, the, the producer, the yeah. host. <clears throat> and so I think that when it comes to this current moment, like this current political movement and Black Lives Matter, so much shit is being uplifted and I just thought of like that black woman and her experience in the podcast and how like traumatic it was and mm-hmm. how for this white woman that's crazy right I'm and, not surprised and just so many people follow this this platform mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm gonna send you the the blog mm-hmm. so you can read it and maybe we can post it too we can put it in the description yeah if, if folks are interested in in learning about that but the minute i read it i was like yes i i believe you and everybody should be believing you mm-hmm. because this is your experience and it was such a detailed blogging so mm-hmm. it had receipts it had text Damn. messages it had emails on just the violence that was being produced by this white woman yeah so you know what that reminds me of i know that we're i'm not trying to like spit hateration here but I think that it's important to highlight because I know that a lot of our friends and a lot of people who follow our podcast um, also follow this artist and this account that goes by the name of Pink Cat Daily mm-hmm. and how they've been recently mm-hmm. like exposed. Who's also a white woman. Who's also, I mean, that yeah. everybody thought was a black woman or a woman of color because of the black vernacular that they continue to and use. And the black culture and like her cats had um bonnets and like would use the n-word and um i always thought that she was a black woman i thought she was like a a black muslim woman because Mm. i know that she's middle eastern Mm -hmm. but when i saw her her like face i was like what the fuck what the fuck (laughs) like what yeah um and then now there's this account called pink cat daily canceled where you don't have to believe me and stephanie you can go to the account is it on twitter or instagram i think it's on twitter and instagram okay I found it on Instagram, though. Um, I would have to double-check on Twitter. But on Instagram, if you go to Pink Cat Daily Cancelled, you will see all of the receipts and all of the examples of black people, black women especially, trying to hold this person accountable for being racist and anti-black, and they just, like, completely... Completely dismissed it. They just take zero accountability. Like, And that's... You know, I like how you bring that up earlier, how you're like, we're not trying to shit talk on anybody, and it's not that we're shit talking, it's it's literally, it's facts. you're holding, yeah, it's facts, and you're holding people, we are holding people accountable in that sense, where it's not your place, and it should never be your place to be acting in those ways, mm-hmm. and using black culture, right? Mm-hmm. I, I profit off of black culture, like, mm-hmm. There's this whole thing on Twitter talking about the hyphy movement and mm. how it was it like pedestrians reap the benefits of black culture mm-hmm. and the, the hyphy movement. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I know yeah. I'm gonna send you that too. Send me that one too. <laughs> but it um, just comes back to the accountability that yes. that we need to hold allies if they consider themselves so accountable to. Um and listening to black women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there was that whole like dispute between J. Cole. And No Name. And No Name, my girl, No Name. I know. Fans of No Name. Hey, girl. I saw her <laughs> in concert. You did? Wait, when did you see her? Was it when you saw Ari? 
No. You've seen hella good people, Steph. I, you know, something I really miss? Concerts? Is concerts. Concerts were my biggest self-care. But oh my god, remember the Drake concert? This is totally random. This is really random. <laughs> and I wasn't there, but we have a friend. And we're not going to name our friend, but friend, this is a shout out to you. Yo, 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 yo. That Drake concert was lit. Drake 2019 or 2018? Yeah, 2019. I think, you know, I had a phase where I really loved Drake. Yeah, you did. And I I also told some of my closest friends and I said, you know what? I'm, I'm backing off. Mm. Drake, I'm, you know, I kind of saw some things that came up where he was um, just like taking advantage of Georgia Smith or, you know, mm. hitting on younger women and that's fucking weird like let's call that out to older men like that's a pedophile predatory ass behavior yeah so that wasn't cute even though he has a really beautiful face beard you know and like it's all connected but yeah (laughs) all connected (laughs) the most important thing um Um, yes but we digress yeah let's Um, bring it back um yeah, so just to, to start us off before Stephanie and I share a little bit of our our journey of uncovering our own anti-blackness, um, we just wanted to give some examples and just a name that all of us are inherently anti-black. It's so mm-hmm. deeply embedded into our culture, our society, and we don't we don't we don't need to be anti-black anymore. Like no we need to wake up we need to change the course of history we need to be supportive we need to be allies and we need to reimagine the world that we live in Mm. point blank period yeah bye move on move on (laughs) (laughs) so going going into a little going in a little i wanted to share that my own journey of learning anti-blackness really didn't start until college and when I was thinking of this episode, I was like, did it really start in the classroom when I took my first ethnic studies class? Mm. It kind of did. But I feel it was more a part of the, the women, of, women of color who were in my life. Mm. Like the conversations that I would have with people of color and like the spaces that I was in. And I think along just with being in that journey came unlearning like colorism Mm -hmm. and what what you said like how folks treat you very differently um based on your skin tone and for me it has been very different in that sense where folks like instead of thinking i am mexican because of the color of my skin it's like more of a guessing game of like where am i from and that's a whole part of like colorism and how it's rooted in like so much anti-blackness and just like favoring of skin tones you know and Mm -hmm. i think it's really important for white folks to continue to acknowledge that right continue to acknowledge and unpack your whiteness but i think in terms of like the mexican community and the latino community for white latinos to like fully embrace that of themselves and be like yo I ha- I benefit from white supremacy in so many parts that mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. shameful to talk about because you're like equating your whiteness to this larger system mm-hmm. that 
you don't want to associate yourself with. Like, I don't want to associate myself with, like, white supremacy, wow. but I'm, I'm a white Latina. And so it categorizes that in, in that sense. So I think a big part of unlearning anti-blackness has also came with unlearning, like, the the hurtful comments that I see in my family, you know, like yeah. with family members who have a darker skin tone or with like compliments that my family will will throw at me and be like, oh, my gosh, you're like so fair skin. Like it looks more beautiful. Like, yeah. Or like in, in Mexico, my family will have soaps that will make you have lighter skin or stuff like that. And yeah. that's like rooted in like anti-blackness and it's so hurtful to see that and to grow up in in that like type of environment or family Mm -hmm. where it took years to unlearn Mm -hmm. and it's still like unpacking that yeah in this moment present Yeah, yeah it's like unpacking that but also pulling in your family to have larger conversations mm-hmm. on anti-blackness but also you know i was i i was really I don't want to say problematic in high school, but there were things that I would do that were not so that you wouldn't do today. Justice oriented. Mm-hmm. That don't match that, your that, values that were today. anti-black. Yeah, that were that were me like falling into the beliefs or stereotypes, and you mm-hmm. know, like a lot of folks just like dropping the N word and not knowing like why that was so hurtful or why that was so normalized in our communities. So. Mm-hmm. I feel it takes a lot to acknowledge that. Totally. And it's like, it's a very intimate conversation between yourself because... This is an intimate conversation. conversation. Yeah. Like, I mean, without going into much detail, like that whole experience with those two people who we know where I was in a situation where I hurt two black people and I didn't mean to. And it wasn't until I had a conversation with myself where I was like, wow, I really did hurt these people. And like, I didn't mean to, you know, and I, I didn't know that how I went about the situation, it impacted this one person who I like genuinely care about. Mm -hmm. Never in my mind did I think I was being anti-black. Never Mm. did. And I remember talking to you about it. I was Mm -hmm. like, am I like, I'm not. But even in being like, quote unquote, like conscious or quote unquote aware, like, like we unknowingly replicate these behaviors, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think that's why, like, not, I think that's why, but for, for that reason, it is important to listen to black people because if they're saying that something is anti-black, it is because it's anti-black. It's not because they're, I don't know, whatever the reason or the excuse might be. Like, I think that with, yeah, with this point, it just, it comes with a lot of discomfort and a lot of like, just sitting with yourself. Yeah. And like, you may not even want to say these things out loud because you might be thinking like, wow, like, like, I can't believe I did that, you know, or like, I can't believe that 
I used to participate in this, mm. you know, or I used to allow in this. Yeah. And like that comes with a lot of shame. Especially. I was about to say that that's, that's a lot of shame. Yeah. It comes with a lot of shame. Like, fuck, you know, but that is the price that we have to pay to unlearn these things that will create a healthier, more liberated world for our black brothers and sisters. And I'm willing to do the work like, and I feel like a lot of us are, um, and I, I just want to say that like unlearning anti-blackness, um, uh, is a lifelong journey mm-hmm. and it's something that goes beyond just how you view black people. It goes, it's literally steeps into everything that we everything do. that you do, everything that we do, like we have to like literally like pathologize our information. Like, how did I come to know this? You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How did I come to decide that I want to do this instead of that? You know, like literally everything in all aspects in work, in healthcare, in everyday, in interpersonal relationships, in like relationships with like people you don't even know, like, how you categorize people on the street, like, we need to question literally everything, like, why is there this in this neighborhood and not in that neighborhood, or, you know, vice versa, like, it's, it's the whole system that's being rebuilt, that's why I say everything is crumbling, yes, and that scares people, (laughs) it does, it does, but it's like, y'all think we don't have a plan for how we're going to rebuild, like, no, there is a plan and it's human centered and it's based on equity and it's having everybody's basic needs met. Like it's ridiculous that people have mansions out there with rooms that no one sleeps in while there's and whole ass offices yeah. where they can do their that. work. Yeah. So yeah, be compassionate with yourself while unlearning um all the things that we were taught, but at the same time like always strive to push yourself yeah and like if i feel like if you are ever feeling uncomfortable when you're having a conversation like this good good yeah like the purpose that's you're going in the right direction and lean into the discomfort and part of the work too is creating these conversations with our families who may not be open or receptive but that's Mm. part of the work right Mm -hmm. lean into that that's your duty in the movement Teach your family. Teach your relatives. Teach yourself. (laughs) Teach yourself. (laughs) But it doesn't have to be such an isolated thing. It could also be in community too. Like talking about it, you know, like like you said with like your young people, like posing the questions and like, Mm -hmm. you know, giving other people the space to like come to their own conclusions. Yeah. Because you also don't want to impose ideas on people. But I feel there's a boundary too where it's like, I, I have to impose this on you because the way that you think is pro-police yeah. or the way that you think is pro-capitalism. Mm-hmm. And so I have to interject my, mm-hmm. interject myself in this conversation because I'm trying to like get you on... Um, trying to wake you up. I'm trying to wake <laughs> your ass up, but I'm trying to pull you in to like organize for yeah. the larger movement. Yeah. I've been seeing conversations or a specific tweet that talked about pulling in folks and holding them accountable versus like canceling them. Mm-hmm. And like you don't yeah. wanna you don't wanna cancel people. Like but you also culture. don't want to like make them run away from potentially being a part of the movement mm-hmm. and organizing mm-hmm. and 
I think in in college I was very cancel culture, mm-hmm. and I was angry. I was pissed off all the time, and because I would see anti blackness in my own family, I would rage. Yeah, and I'd be like, "Why are you fucking saying that shit? Mm-hmm. Like, why are you fucking racist? Mm-hmm. Why are like it was just straight up." But I think now it mm-hmm. it comes with a lot of patience mm-hmm. and understanding mm-hmm. and really it's, it's gonna take years to get people to shift different yeah and it also comes with a lot of love too like we're not pushing you because we hate you like to my family <laughs> sorry if i pushed you um shout out to the fam <laughs> shout out to the um does your family listen to the podcast i think they do yeah, I think they do. Oh, hi. Hey, sister. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but no, I've had conversations with my family, if you're listening. Like, I've had conversations with you all where I may have came off sounding condescending mm-hmm. or like, I went to school and I know what's right. And I've, I've never, I, that, that has never been my intention and I understand the impact. Um, but just know that it came with a lot of love and yeah, this conversation. I know we're both going back home too and having these transformative conversations that are very exhausting Mm -hmm. and they take time you know like like you were saying earlier like i'm not gonna like impose my beliefs on you but (laughs) But if you if you on the yeah right side i'm gonna tell you what the fuck is good and I'm going to try to save your ass. I'm yeah. going to try to be a good friend. Yeah. You know, everyone at their own pace. Everyone's on their own journey. So as long as you're on your way, good for you. Good Keep for you. going. Keep going. We're going to move on to takeaway number three. Yes. Um, which is about centering joy and self-care during the revolution. As we were talking, these topics are very heavy and... There is a lot of hurt going on in the world and in in our communities. People are fucking hurt. In the Bay Area, we have lost hella people to police brutality. And mm-hmm. in the last two months, we have lost um, three young brown men in, in the Bay to the hands of police brutality. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot. Yeah, ha- I'm just curious to know how how a lot of people are centering self-care in their life right and now. Enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, cuz I think that that is part of it too. Mm-hmm. Like and it, it's a lot. Like it's complex. We need to be able to hold these hard conversations at the same time. We also deserve to take care of ourselves and we deserve to have joy in our lives. Yeah. Um Steph, can I ask you how you have been practicing centering joy in your life and, and taking care of yourself amidst all of Calling this? Calling out racist people. Yeah, and a and pandemic. And yeah, a, pandemic, a revolution. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's really hard because when protests start to happen and there's continuous like killings of black people it really impacts me Mm. and I think it came to a point where I was like 
I was like going, 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 right? I was attending like actions and I was on the streets. But I, I realized I was like numbing myself and mm-hmm. I wasn't fully like processing the emotions of how many people are dying every day. Mm-hmm. And amidst a, a pandemic that's killing black and brown people and police that are purposely killing black people it's a lot and as a non-black person like it's it's so sad to see that like it's scary to see that in our world and i think a way that i self-cared was literally just letting myself cry literally just like letting letting myself feel those emotions and reprioritizing what i would do to take care if i'm if i'm gonna be a part of this larger movement and talking to young people when i myself also feel jaded Mm -hmm. from this world where i myself i'm like fuck everything i want to burn it down like i don't believe in policies that are trying to reform police and everything like that i think it just comes with like finding small moments of joy Mm -hmm. and i think that for me has looked very differently every day um something that i did start doing was i started this little book oh i know it's a little mini journal oh and it's called today i need Mm -hmm. so every day i've been writing on it and I literally asked myself, like, what is it that I need? Because I realized that when people ask me what I need, I never know what to tell them because I myself don't know what I need. Wow. Yeah, and at the cover, I wrote, like, this, your needs can exist beyond what you imagine, so don't be afraid to think big. And I look at it every day, and I'm like, okay, Steph, like, in a, in a really... In another world, like, what would you need today? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like, I need to be in the sun, or mm-hmm. I need to drink water, or I need to, like, do a face mask. And it sounds so basic. <laughs> it doesn't. But it's what I need to get through the day, because just being in a pandemic and, like, being, like, an ally and advocating, <clears throat> I think it's been a lot to balance. Yeah. Um, And there were moments where I really have, like, felt really anxious or I've, like, been struggling with, like, moments of, like, slight depression where I, like, notice things on my body, like, not wanting to eat and stuff. Mm. So I think a part of finding joy and self-care in this moment is just really being honest with myself on what I need. Mm -hmm. So that might look like, you know, watching Insecure or mm. I found this like little garden in my neighborhood. Mm, where? I'm gonna I'm take you. It's a secret enchanted garden. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it's a secret enchanted garden. And I just go and I, I hear the bees, I hear the birds, or, you know, I got a mint plant that me and Itzel were talking about earlier and I'm growing it. And I know, it's so cute. Yeah, I put some in my in my water because I'm doing this infused water type of thing but 
yeah we all really deserve radical joy Mm -hmm. and so yes i'm curious to know what are ways that you have been exploring that radical joy amidst the black lives matter movement and amidst a pandemic yeah because it's a lot it is a lot i just want to like respond to what you shared go ahead um i just think it's like really beautiful that you are so intentional with your self-care and how you care for your your vessel i think that you uh you are like the self-care queen and not like not in the way where like you got all the bath salts and i got all the masks the crystals you know like yeah not in that sense like Yes, in that sense. Also in the sense that you your approach to taking care of yourself is so intentional. And I just think that that's really, like, magnificent. And I think that I really admire that about you. And I think that it's something that, um, that yeah, that is, like, uh, also something that should be taken equally as serious. Like, mm-hmm. taking care of, of ourselves is in our communities is often like the last thing that we should do right like mexican communities i was like you take care of everybody else and then you especially as like a femme identified person like if you're a mujer you have to like cook cook and clean and take care of the kids and take care of your husband if your husband is not happy like you're a bad wife (laughs) what get the fuck out of here yeah like miss me if my husband is mad he's mad (laughs) you're a grown person take care i also want to share that because earlier we were talking about our youth right and how much we love working with our youth i had an honest conversation in one of our meetings where the check-in question was like how are you taking care of yourself and one of my young people was like i am actually really struggling with this and i need a lot of help because I don't know what that looks like for me. Wow. And I was like, oh. same. <laughs> Say less. And I, thought, and I thought, wow, how am I over here asking fucking checking questions about self-care when I myself have not done that? So we talked on the phone and we became accountability buddies. Oh. Yes. And I was and we we like held each other accountable to writing every day mm-hmm. for five minutes and meditating before sleeping. And I was like, you know, we, we might fuck up. We might not do it every day. But when we don't, we're going to hold ourselves with compassion because building self-discipline takes hella time. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to... Step. You know, I've been trying to pull in people into like self-care including my mom and mm-hmm. i'm like introducing it to my mom mm-hmm. and saying like well how do you how do you take care of yourself mm-hmm. and she goes pues me duermo, me baño, me pongo la pijama. Mm-hmm. and i'm like no mom but aside from that do you i don't know you do your nails do you, do you have downtime journal? for yourself yeah. yeah so it's an ongoing conversation. i really suck at self-care i don't want to say i suck at it because i feel like that just you know words are spells but I I am not the best person at it. And I feel like I can do a better job of taking care of myself. Um, because for me right now, like my, bo- my most basic self-care is just making sure that I refill my water bottle at least four times a day. Okay. To make sure that I have like 
enough water for the day. And um, yeah, I don't have like a whole routine, but that is one way that I practice taking care of myself is making sure that I'm hydrated. Hmm. Because if I'm not hydrated, I'm not having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really not. My head is hurting. Like I'm in an aggy mood. Like you don't want to be around me. Like I just need to make sure I have water. And my hope and my like what what I was thinking about as you were talking is just like, what do I need? You know, like what do I need to self care? And like your young person is so right. Nobody taught us to take care of ourselves. So that was the honest truth. Yes, that was the honest truth. And it's like we should like. And for our listeners, too, like, if you also don't have a self-care routine or, like, you also couldn't answer this question if we were to ask you how to use self-care, like, think about that. Journal on it. Meditate on it. Like, it doesn't have to be a full-flown thing. It could be one thing a day. Yeah. Society um, benefits from us not taking care of ourselves. Honestly. From us not loving up on ourselves. Yep. So, our needs have literally been taken away by reminding us to work and Mm -hmm. produce but yeah i that's one thing that i'm like taking away from our conversation too is just like making sure that i i take care of myself a little bit more intentionally and doing things that bring me natural joy and knowing that that we deserve to feel joy even when the world is burning it will literally keep us alive because fear and anxiety will tear away at our immune systems, at our mental well-being, at our physical. I'm being. just like raising my hand. I was doing this really funny gesture. Yeah, I also want to highlight that self-care is important, and community care is important as well. So I know that white supremacy teaches us to be individuals and teaches us to like get our shit together on our own and i think that it is okay with consent obviously to rely on your community your Mm -hmm. friends to give you that support and give you that nourishment when when you need it because that also feeds a different part of our body Mm -hmm. so i just wanted to say and i just want to shout you out because i remember when we used to work together you would remind me of community care and you're like that you don't need self-care like you do enough self-care you need community care like you need people who are gonna hold you who are gonna like fucking support you and i said damn you're right mm-hmm. yeah so build that network i think that was the first time where i thought wow community care mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i didn't really know a lot about it but yeah it's thank happening you. thank you stephanie thank you <laughs> appreciate you um so yeah self-care centering joy radical joy like you said i like that major motherfucking key when overthrowing the government fuck the system (laughs) fuck the police fuck you and your motherfucking mama fuck patriarchy yeah fuck patriarchy and misogyny Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. takeaway number four the most exciting one Radical imagine in the words of Angela Davis, you have you have to act as if it were possible to radically transform the world and you have to do it all, all the, the time. time. Not just today. But all- we say this intentionally as our last takeaway because we've laid out a lot of things in this podcast and 
some of it can be like, like I was saying earlier, it can feel heavy, um, can feel like a lot of work to do. Um, but the upside of that is that we have the opportunity to recreate the world that we want to live in. And we, we have to reimagine a different world for ourselves, mm-hmm. for the, the, the younger generations, for the future kids that we might have, might not have, I don't know, but we, like, our ancestors have, like, been fighting for, like, hella years, Mm -hmm. and if you, if you are, like, a person who is, like, barely, not barely, but just immersing themselves into the movement of dismantling the system, you sometimes you might feel certain feelings that you don't know why they're there and like when you go to like I remember when I went when I first went to my first protest I felt like a certain tingly sensation and I didn't know like where that was coming from and I learned that that was actually like my ancestors speaking through me that was their energy that has existed for heck along that white people and colonizers try to bury I remember being like completely like empowered and feeling like a sense of rage. <laughs> and if you are ever angry, that is your motherfucking ancestors because that is all of the anger and the rage that they experienced and they endured at the hands of white supremacy. Yep. And for those reasons, we have to have a radical imagination because yeah. it is literally not fair to continue living the way that we have been living. Mm -hmm. You know, like, right now that we're all working from home, like, we need to reimagine what the hell it's going to look like when we we can, quote-unquote, go back to work or go go back to our offices. It's going to be a completely different world. Yeah. Like, I honestly want to organize to have four-week, like, four-day weeks. Yeah. Fuck a five-day week. I want three days off, bitch. Four. (laughs) Four. I'm working three. Actually, don't don't work at all. <laughs> right? Like, why can't we work in our purpose? Like, why do we have to work, like, because it our survival depends on it? You know? Like, these are the kinds of questions that we should be asking ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, like, really, like, if we can imagine it, we can fucking live it. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing it right now. Like, these protests are putting pressure on decision makers and putting pressure on institutions and systems to respond. And they're not responding fast enough because the cops who murdered Breonna Taylor have not been arrested yet. Point is, we need to push ourselves to imagine a radical and different world. And honestly, I have a really hard time doing this. So I don't know how you feel. But I'm, I'm all for abolition. I'm all for like defunding the police, abolishing it, the prison industrial complex, everything, right? But really sitting with myself and imagining a better world is really hard for me. Mm, why? Because I feel like there's no healthy examples of what uh, a liberated world... Mm. Well, actually, no, let me take that back. There's like... Uh, let me take that back. Hello, like, Cuba? Mm-hmm. Cuba is so liberated in the sense of how they they govern themselves, mm-hmm. right? And that's also a part 
of my own education that I want to learn. Like, I want to learn about other... Liberated. Liberated communities. communities and mm-hmm. countries. Yeah. But there are places that do exist and have healthier economies and mm-hmm. healthier systems. But healthier systems. I think it's just... It's fucking hard to yeah. imagine that. And I think the whole conversation... That's on, on purpose. Like, the whole conversation of like, well, who who am I gonna call when like shit's popping off in the middle of the night? Like, you really have to imagine like how you will react restoratively mm-hmm. and how people will be able to pull you into a like a safe space. Mm-hmm. And I think it's all a process. Mm-hmm. Um, but when working with young people, that's also something that I, I try to push them to see, right? and Like to think outside of the box. Yeah. Yeah. But we out here. Yeah. We're on this journey of really fostering and believing in what a liberated work mm-hmm. world can look like for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we don't, we don't see a lot of examples of what a liberated society can look like because they don't want us to be free and i think that like like you were saying like there are a lot of uh communities and societies that have a more fair and just and human centered approach to living their life than we do like indigenous communities do this so well native american communities do this so well like our ancestors had such a strong I don't even want to use the word democracy but they had such a strong society like government per se because I I do believe that we need structure structure we have now is all the way fucked up and so we need um like you were saying different approaches and and that's why we need to rethink everything because I know right now there's like a lot of talk of like okay we're gonna defund the police and then we're gonna send trained professionals to respond we're gonna we're to gonna like to help put more social workers but social workers participate in such a harmful they're agents of, of white supremacy yeah of like, separating families yeah. and really taking away kids from their families mm-hmm. and even more yeah like so i don't want to undermine crumbling yeah i don't want to undermine the work of social workers because i know that they're like there are some really dope social workers out there who are really like mm-hmm. fighting a good fight however being a social worker you work within the confines of a system that mm-hmm. is like rooted in yeah in criminalizing black and brown people regardless of what the fuck and so i think steph like this is such a good note to end our podcast on because it's hopeful and it is mm. it invites imagination and creativity and imagination and creativity are two things that were also taken away from us at a very early age which is a different conversation like public school is a fucking like scam it's a scam and like we were indoctrinated with the colonizers word for 12 plus years and like i'm 23 years old right now and i am trying to get back my creativity because it is mine and I deserve to be creative and I deserve to be imaginative Mm -hmm. and that's my work and I think that that's the work that we're trying to do with this podcast too. Yeah, this is my real job. (laughs) This is my nine to five. Like trying to get my creativity back. Yeah. This is um, my actual job. So yeah, everywhere else that I work at is my side hustle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) everything else 
Yeah. So we really want to invite folks to tap into your radical imagination and listen to Angela Davis. She has been doing this work for such a long time. She Mm -hmm. is a true abolitionist. Abolition did not just Mm -hmm. start two, three weeks ago. Like There are black feminists and black people who have been writing about this for centuries and there's there's a lot of ways to tap in and engage with this mm-hmm. um so yeah it's exciting to think of a new world and it's also challenging so yeah we'll i'm link. here to honor those parts too yes yeah it's we can hold all of these complexities and still move forward and mm-hmm. still demand mm-hmm. better and speak truth to power and we'll link a lot of the things that a lot of the information that we referenced in the podcast, um, we will link it in our episode description yeah. um, so that folks can uh, maybe learn a little bit more and do some some more self-learning or just understand themselves, these, yeah, themselves a little bit better and, the and do the work. And why Black Lives Fucking Matter. Yes. And... Um, why it's abolish the police, not reform the police. Yeah, that's... I, th- I think that should be a whole... That should be its, its whole... That's gonna be our, our, our whole other, like... Epi- next episode. Because yeah. some of y'all really need some help. The police are not our friends. Go off. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a condescending way. I just mean that in a very matter-of-fact way. Like, can you think of a time when the police were nice to you, ever, to you, or anyone in your family? Never. Never. The only time that I th- can think of someone being nice to me when, was when I was a little kid, and I wanted one of those stupid stickers. You know that? And even then, they weren't nice to me. So, mm. fuck the cops. All yeah. cops are motherfucking bastards. And <laughs> I don't give a shit. This is a radical podcast. <laughs> I'm here for it, and I I truly stand behind that too. Um, what was I gonna say? Damn, that It'll really. Look back. back. Yeah, it it that I don't know what you said, but it triggered a memory of one time when I was at Bart and All I was cops walking to work. Yeah, and there was this huge table of like cookies. Do you remember I told you this story? There was a huge table of cookies, like free cookies on Bart. No, outside of bar. Oh. Like, in, in, like, where you buy your ticket and stuff. And it was the fucking San Francisco Police Department tabling at 9 motherfucking a.m. And I almost took a cookie. So, fuck cops. I hate them. They, they almost, almost got you. They almost got me to get a fucking cookie. But, really low. Um... Abolish the police. Abolish the military, but no one's ready for that conversation. Yeah. I, I just think that everything is slowly coming to light, right? With with an with a radical imagination. Like mm-hmm. people are talking about whiteness every day. Mm-hmm. You know? And people are really openly admitting their whiteness. Mm-hmm. And I, I love to see it. I really do. I love to see it crumble. Mm-hmm. Unlearn the shit. Like don't be a ghost. Don't be a ghost. Yeah, um, yeah. I think we we said a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um. In review, in summary. Yeah. In summary, you know, these are our our four takeaways that we four three takeaways that we just want to leave our listeners with. 
First one, the movement needs to be intergenerational. Um, we need young people. We need our elders. We need everybody in the middle um, because this is a movement of a lifetime. This isn't something that's it's gonna not go just a away. Little Instagram. Yeah, a little spirit, spirit week. <laughs> this is a lifetime's work. Um, so our takeaway number one: believe the young people, listen to the young people, support the young people, nourish the babies. Yes. Takeaway number two is unlearning anti-blackness and really leaning into the discomfort that comes with unlearning these things. Um, Because as non-black people, we've benefited from white supremacy. And let's own up to that. Like, let's own up to the fact Mm. that we have been given more. Yes, we are a uh, marginalized, uh, like we can have marginalized identities. Mm black people have also been oppressed like double yeah that pay black people pay black support people black support black people listen to black women listen to black fans hold mm-hmm. racists accountable um takeaway number three is centering joy and self-care during the revolution equally as important fight the good fight go home take care of yourself get some sleep drink some water Repeat. Repeat. <laughs> Wash your face. <laughs> Moisturize. Read theory. Be grounded in theory. Mm-hmm. Read some Angela Davis, some Asada. Read mm-hmm. your. Read your books. Mm-hmm. Journal. Yeah. Journal. Lean into co- community care. Um, see where folks can, where you can support folks, and s- folks can support you. And our last takeaway. Um, is just to have a radical imagination every day. We have to act in, we have to move in, we got to think that a new world is possible and we got to move that way every day. Uh, Before we completely close out our podcast for, or our episode for today, we just want to shout out a few black organizers in the Bay, black businesses and artists that we want to support that we do support and we would like you all to support them if you haven't already um a black owned business is queen hippie gypsy in oakland i know there's a lot of spiritual people out there mm-hmm. that buy crystals Sage. from shops that are hella fucking white from urban outfitters so go to queen hippie gypsy in oakland it's the first black owned crystal shop it's amazing. It's, it's dope. Beautiful. And she's hella nice. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, because of the, the looting, like, I think the their business also got impacted. But yeah. But there's like a GoFundMe page. But go to Queen Hippie Gypsy. Support. Get your, your spiritual needs from the spot. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. if you're ever in the town, you know. Mm-hmm. And the vegan mob, them. too, right? And vegan mob. By yep, the lake. Yep. Um, also, if you're looking for your black-owned coffee... Um, Red Bay Coffee has really, really good um, coffee beans and lattes and all your... Yeah, and we'll link, like we said, we'll link a lot of this information in our description. Um, So with that, we want to leave you all with an appreciation. Um, Thank you for listening to our episode, supporting our podcast. 
again if you want to create more dialogue with us around this uh, around these issues that we talked about let us know we would love to do that we love you guys we appreciate you we hope that you are wearing your masks when you go outside because the pandemic has not ended yet yes the pandemic has not ended please be mindful and don't be selfish um we need to take care of our elders and folks who are most vulnerable right now so love on each other fight the system shop black owned businesses support local fuck amazon um fuck Fuck. home depot (laughs) fuck chick-fil-a fuck starbucks y'all know the drill um so yeah thank you for listening and tuning in with the work wifey's podcast see you next episode bye